When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lewis Hart for Boxing Social in association with Empire Fight Store and Forged Irish Stout. Delighted to be joined in the new year with Spencer Oliver. We were saying, mate, you've been a bit quiet recently, mate. Absolutely. How have we been, though? How's the new year? How's Christmas? How's all that, mate? Firstly, Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to all you lot as well. Um, yeah, Christmas, New Year was all good. Well, we was over in Saudi Arabia, weren't we? Got back Christmas Eve, that big show that they had out there. Great performance from Anthony Joshua. Put himself right back in the mix with the, with the heavyweights. You know, um... But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hectic, it was a hectic year, and it's been busy since then, if I'm totally honest. Like I say, we got back Christmas Eve about 4pm, um, I was back in the studio on the 27th, back in there again on the 30th, back again on the 2nd, so yeah, it's been non-stop really, but it's all good, like boxing's in a really healthy spot at the moment, and that's, a lot of that's down to um, His Excellency Al Sheikh and, and Saudi Arabia and putting on these big events and what a year we've got to look forward to so far with obviously February the 17th, Fury Usyk and then moving on, you know, Joshua and Garner, but we'll get into all of that. Absolutely, we'll get onto all of that, but I suppose we'll talk about the reason that we are here today. We've just seen Dan Aziz finish a, a good, good training session as he gears up for the rescheduled date against Joshua Boetsy, February the 3rd. Um, the narrative for the, the first, I suppose, the, the first, the original date was, um, you know, friends turned enemies in a sense, but the friends were all putting on the line. This one is very, very different. A lot more ill-tempered between the two. Yeah. Um, you know, divas, crybabies, all, all, all these things have yeah. been brandished. Um, excited for February the 3rd for, for a, a tasty, tasty the occasion absolutely but listen I think that now you know you get to the stage now where you say like it's starting to become personal now between the two because it is friends become enemies that is basically where it was at because you know Joshua Boitzi was the kid as an amateur coming through Dan Aziz was the guy in the gym and maybe not at that sort of level and now you know they both had incredible careers to get to this point number one and number two respectively in the WBA rankings but they've both taken a different journey and they but you know they're both from that same area and the same thing and so it's going to get personal and you know when we you know now reality is kicking in like time is getting close the training's been done you know they're getting down on their weight they're both getting a little bit edgy things are said and it does get a little personal I mean one thing I can guarantee you've got like a 50-50 fight going into this and it's a it's going to be a real classic you know you talk about a fight for the ages and a fight that people will go back and they will watch and they will want to see again for many different reasons for me, this is one of those, because stylistically, I think both guys are going to have to dig deep. Both guys are going to have to bite down their gum shields. And more importantly, both guys know that coming into this one. You know, Poetsy will probably start a slight favourite, but Dan Aziz has got other ideas, you know, because he's the guy that goes, listen, I know where we're at, and I know how I'm positioned with this, and I know, you know, what is expected, but ultimately, I know what I'm going into. And so, you know, I know it's going to be tough. I know I'm going to have to bite down. I know I'm going to have to possibly even pick myself off the floor. But I am mentally prepared. And I think that that could be the difference between winning and losing in this one is who psychologically is mentally prepared to go to a place that the other won't go. I mean, it's a classic. We're all going to have an opinion of who wins this fight. I really don't know, if I'm totally honest, because it's one of those. You just go, wow, look at what Dan has done. 
you know, the journey that he's taken, Southern area, English, British, Commonwealth, European, you know, done it the old school way, hardcore way, on the road, I was out there in Paris when he won that European title, you know, he goes in and he's been the underdog a few times, you look at Boatsy and, you know, the career that he's had and, you know, he was a kid that, you know, done well in the Olympics and then turned, turned over and big things have been expected for him. His career has stalled a little bit in, in recent times, if I'm honest, it's been a little bit stop-start, but now this is the huge opportunity for, for him as well, so... Yeah, you just look at it and it's just a, it's a fascinating fight, man. I, I can't wait for it. And, you know, it's a fascinating fight. And these fights, when they're, you know, undefeated fighters, both from South London, both sell themselves, um, you know, especially in the first fight, it had people interested. And it had people really, really, you know, sort of really wanting to see the fight. Does this get made even bigger now where, you know, you have to face off, you know, Aziz is calling him a crybaby, he's calling him a diva, but actually ain't really believing the injury. Yeah. You feel like it makes it sort of, it sells itself, but it does make it a little bit nicer. Do you know what? You, you, you was looking at it and you're going, how does this fight sell itself? Because like outside of your hardcore boxing fan or your boxing purist who knows just how too good these two are and how good a fight it is. So for your very casual fan, you go, how does this fight sell? Because they're two wicked geezers, two lovely geezers that are not going to slag each other off. They're going to show ultimate respect for each other. And like you say, with Dan he's picking up that back injury and then Eddie Hearn throwing out there, you know, was it because of ticket sales at the O2 and, you know, were they struggling and I think that rattled Dan initially anyway and, you know, Dan, Dan responded to that saying, well, don't do that, I'm a man of the people and I'm, you know, trying to inspire the younger generation, that's my journey, that's what I do, I don't pull out of fights and I think that created some sort of, like, spark between yeah. it all and I think that it was sort of, like, needed, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because, they're, like I say, they're just both nice, genuine guys that want to get on with the job, so you go, you need to create a little bit of interest here somewhere. And it seems to have done that now. And I think that, I think that when you get down to fight week, under fight to fight week, then we'll get it. I think it will create even spark even more interest because, you know, I believe that these guys are going to, you know, generally go at each other. And I think that's what's needed in the, in the fight like this. To capture, capture the imagination of the people that actually know that it's going to be good. We all know it's going to be a classic, but your casual fan may not. Absolutely, uh, for sure, and I think it's, it's one that we're all excited for as fans. Um, you mentioned there about the 23rd of December, you was out in Saudi Arabia, I suppose we'll touch on that now. Um, I suppose the first thing that we we'll are really touch on is that, you know, the two talking points, the two main events. Um, Deontay Wilder losing to Joseph Parker. Many people knew that Joseph Parker was definitely a live dog in that fight, but I don't think people saw it going the 12 round shot that, that it did. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, what was your opinion of it? Were you yes. surprised by it? I think it was a dominant performance. Yes, I was surprised by it. Anyone that says they weren't surprised by it has got to be lying, man, because it was the manner that he'd done that. He went and met fire with fire. I think that what Andy Lee done was he, he's a great tactician, great student of the sport. They come up with a game plan. Go meet fire with fire and take the fight away from him. You know, they hinged their bets on... Deontay Wilder having one fight in 26 months, you know, against Robert Hellenius, a one-round blowout, and you go, you look at him, 38 years of age, we don't know what the Tyson Fury trilogy really took out of him because we, we haven't seen anything, and he, he's been inactive, so... I think tactically they just got it right, man. I think that, you know, Joe Parker like, had a good year in a build-up to that, a very constructive year, winning three fights on the bounds, but, you know, building and working on stuff since the Joe Joyce defeat. Um, and he went out there, man, and he just... I could not believe what I was watching. If I'm totally honest, I'm going... I was watching it going, well, one, I think Deontay Wilder looks totally shot. Taking nothing away from Parker, his performance and the manner that he dealt with him, because he still had to go in there and do that. But I was looking at him going, the fight's left Deontay Wilder. He's, he, he can't let his shots go. The shots were not going there. Like, you know, he come in at, what, 15 stone three or something like that. I'm just going, you know, what's going on here? Like, the guy doesn't look like the guy that we saw 
in previous fights, but that's taking nothing away from Parker because he was going in there with a guy who was a heavy favourite. And Parker done a job, man, and put himself right back in the mix. I mean, I'm hearing March 8th, obviously, he's going to be going again. There, you know, there's big talk of him possibly versus Filip Hergovic. Hergovic called him out. That's a great fight and a fight that sort of makes sense. With Joshua fighting in Ghanu, you know, I think that, you know, Hergovic is looking for a fight. Joshua Hergovic were going to fight for the vacant IBF, but they can't because we don't know when it's going to be vacated because of the Tyson Fury-Usyk situation. So you go, you know, you want to see the best against the best. Parker versus Hergovic is a great fight. You know, and if he comes through that one and Joshua comes through against Ngannou, you could find Parker versus Joshua for the IBF title. I mean, that's the changing of the heavyweight division right now. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of the Saudis getting involved because they've taken the politics away and we're getting the best fight of the best. I suppose us talking about Joseph Parker there, and the, the main focus I've really was, you know, people credited Joseph Parker for the performance, but more people were talking about, you know, how bad Wilder was. And especially when we look at well, after after the fight, yeah. um, under zone, to be honest, didn't really seem like he cared that he lost. Yeah. Um, a bit of a soccer. Uh, there has been a change, a ch a ch exactly. And, and you know, did you feel like sort of he's gone as you know, gotten soft for too long in a way? And the, the dog's out of him, really. The, the dog ain't really there anymore. Listen, if the dog's left the fight, you got a big, big problem. And Deontay Wilder's thing. If you go like uh, rewind 12 months, he's talking about putting people in body bags. Yeah. You know, that's the guy that's got that killer mindset, the one that goes in there and he wants to hurt people. When he rocked up at this one, the press conference this one, when we went to the press conference in London, he rocked up and he's talking about love, peace and harmony and wow, man, and all that. You go, mate, the worst thing you could have done was go spend time in that retreat and eating your mushrooms or whatever you was on, because I mean, that ain't done you like, you know what I mean? It's changed his mindset and that was, that's the worst thing that, that could have happened to him. And I think that come out in his performance. And uh, yeah, you just, you just look at that and you just go, look, I'm taking, I'm not going to talk about Deontay Wilder and how bad he was. I'm just going to talk about Deontay, um, uh, Joseph Parker and how good he was. And I go, he's, he's a serious contender now, puts himself seriously back in the mix. Like him and Anthony Joshua, him versus Anthony Joshua, that would be an interesting fight now. You know, and you look, look at that and you go, like, Mudoff, he got beat. You know, and that was a big shock as well, like a big, big turn up there. And you go, like, wow. So that takes him out of the picture. But who, who's sort of, like, coming in? You go, like... Joe Chip, yeah, you got, yeah, and you've got like, yeah, there's, there's big names out there, like the winner, obviously, a Fury in U6 there as well, and um, yeah, there's, there's loads of fights out there now that we're going to get with the heavyweights, whilst we're getting this undisputed, the possible return of the undisputed as well, so, and, and see where those titles, you know, they'll all become um, relinquished and vacated and whatnot, and we'll see where it all lands, but there's some great fights out there. I suppose we'll talk about Anthony Joshua, sort of a, a demolition job against Otto Valin. Um, many people said, you know, this is one of his best performances in a long, yeah. long time, you know, whether it be since Pulev or, you know, especially since post-Usyk. Um, how good was that to see Anthony Joshua backfiring you know again? Here's where I'm at with it, yeah. Like, so, um, with Anthony Joshua, you look at it, before that fight was on, when the fight was made and we was there and we was in the build-ups for a week and everything else, there was a lot of people there, a lot of people going, I think Wallin wins this. I think Joshua, you know, and Wallin was banking on that himself. He's saying to me when I've done the interview with him, you know, I think that Joshua's mentally weak. He's not in the space that he was when we boxed twice as amateurs. And I think that, you know, I, I'm in the right spot now. And he knows, you know, how hard I push Fury, etc., etc., etc. And so when Anthony Joshua goes out there and he does the job on Wallin that we saw... And then people afterwards go, yeah, well, do you know what, though? Wallin's not really like, you know, you've got to look at him against one of the top two. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
all the haters have got to stop hating now because you go, you look at that performance, you go, not only did he like systematically break him down and beat him up, Otto Wallin, and make him retire on the story in the fifth round, but he looked relaxed, he looked composed, and I think the team up with Ben Davison was a brilliant thing, and I think that he looked like a different fighter, but more importantly, he looked like a fighter that got his confidence back, and he looked like a top-tier heavyweight. I go, so stop all the hating now, stop all the hating now, and just give the guy his due respects and just go, look, when you look at, if you go in on last performances and you look at Tyson Fury versus Ngannou and Joshua versus Otto Wallin, you go, well, all right, Fury's boxing Joshua. You go, that 12 months ago talks about it. People go, it's not even, not even a fight. It's not even, don't even want to see it. You know, Fury's at another level. Now you look at it and go, that's a good fight. That is a good fight. So you go, listen, that's, let's just enjoy it, man. And enjoy Anthony Joshua and what he's done and everything else. And this ain't being a Joshua fanboy and all that. I just go, look at what he's achieved and look at that performance against Valin and just go, show the geezer a bit of love, man. You know, let's appreciate him because he ain't going to be here forever. Do you want the Ben Davison move to be a permanent one? Yeah, definitely. Why, why shouldn't it be? You know, if you look at him, he's travelling halfway across the world to go and see Derek James and train with Derek James. And right, you go, well, the best performance he's done in a long time has been with Ben Davison. And I think that tactically he got it spot on. I think Ben done a good job of him. So, you know, and Joshua, more importantly, felt comfortable with Ben Davison. You know, and like Ben Davison's got a lot of knowledge. He's worked with Tyson Fury. You know, and he, you know he's built up. He's built up a good stable of fighters himself, so why not, man? I think, that, I think it would be a good career move for Joshua, yeah. Well, we'll talk about the next move for Anthony Joshua. It is Francis Ngannou on the 8th of March. Yeah. Um, we know the, the problems that Ngannou could cause to Tyson Fury. Um, another interesting fight, and, and how do you see this differently to and, and this is another one, again, when people go, well, yeah, but we don't want Francis Ngannou. You know, we wanted Philip Hergovic. We understand the situation yeah. with the IBF and why that might not be vacant by March the 8th when Joshua's got a fight. They've got a deal with the Saudis with Ngannou and all. And you go, listen, forget Ngannou's record is 0-1. I said he lost to Tyson Fury. A lot of people felt that he won that fight or, he, you know, it could have even been a draw. And he had the WBC champ down in the third round. You go, so he's a credible opponent and a live wire and a dangerous fighter. Forget that he's come from a diff different discipline. This is a potential banana skin with Joshua. You know, we put in, we know when he's looking to become three-time world heavyweight champion, you look at that and go... I like this fight, stylistically, and Garlu will bring the fight to Josh. And it's an interesting fight, Josh has got to be on his game. And I think the difference going into this one, that maybe Tyson Fury says that he trained and everything else, maybe never trained as hard as he should have trained, but I think that it was going in there with no fear factor, not you know thinking I've just got to turn up to win. And I think that's what we saw in Fury's performance. Joshua has got, now what Joshua's learnt from that fight is, actually Ngannou can fight. So I have to be on my game. So his mindset will be different. You know, and he'll be leaving no stone unturned and he'll go in there and he'll know what he's getting with Ngannou now, where Fury, you know, never had the, that, that luxury. Yeah. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it's one that Joshua wins, but dangerous fight. And it's an interesting fight. Anyone says they don't want to see that, I go, wow. You know what I mean? I think that's a great fight because I think Ngannou, when, uh, when that performance he put in against Fury, you just go, he would kick a lot of the top 10's ass. trust me. Yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, we'll go back on Langano's last opponent, Tyson Fury. He is fighting for the Undisputed yeah. in a month's time now, about four weeks' yeah. time. Um, you know, 
a lot of things are coming out. Fury is his legs gone. You know, did he just not take Ngannou seriously? Um, what, what are you thinking going into this fight? In, in, a, in a, all, a massive fight with both fighters, so yeah. much to prove. Yeah, I think that maybe Tyson Fury took his eye off the ball, basically, if I'm totally honest. I don't think he trained as hard as he should have. I think his body condition, you know, when you looked at him, would probably say that as well. You know, even though he was ticking over, I just think his mindset wasn't in the game. And I think it will be against Alexander Usyk. I think Tyson Fury wins the fight because I think he looks at it and he recognises that he's in a real fight. And now, it, because of the Ungarnu performance, now a lot of people are siding with uh, Usyk and going, well, no, actually, I think Usyk's got a better chance than we originally give him, you know, uh, give him praise for or credit for, yeah. And you look at it now and I just go, nah. Fury will be a different animal to the one that boxed against France and Garneau because he knows what it is and he knows what he's up against and he knows what he's going in for. And this is all about legacy, history, do you know what I mean? And eras and all of that sort of stuff. And Tyson Fury will turn up. I think Tyson Fury wins the fight. I think he wins it quite comfortably against Alexander Usyk because I just think he's too big, he's too clever and he knows how to use. He's got a great boxing IQ. He'll know how to use that reach. He'll know how to tie Usyk up when he has to. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's sort of like the difference. So... I expect Tyson Fury to become undisputed champion on the 17th. Um, on the topic of Saudi Arabia and playing devil's advocate slightly, um, is there negative points that you can look at where we could be getting robbed of good domestic fighters on this country um, and th there could be an oversaturation of fighters worth and that? They may be thinking that, you know, with the money that they're getting in Saudi Arabia, they can come over and demand certain fees. Is there, playing devil's advocate, is there negative sides to it, do you see? Well, yeah, but I think the, the negative side is obviously you're not going to get the big fights that you wanted to see possibly at Wembley Stadium or whatever that we was getting a couple of years ago, you know, that we was getting here. Here, you're not going to get those fights now because the fighters are getting different money in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia are investing in sport they've got fortunes to invest in sport and boxing is a main part of that you know they love the boxing and they want to build you know they want to build boxing in the region in the region and they just want to you know sort of the growth of sport in Saudi Arabia but listen it's called you know it's called prize fighting and the fighters get in there and they want to earn the big, biggest money possible. So all the fighters at the top of their game right now, they're just in a very fortunate position because the Saudis are paying so much money. So, look, it's six or one, half a dozen in the other. Of course, I think for the fans here, it's a bit of a kick, a blow, because you're going to have to travel to see the fights that you, you know, maybe you could have seen in England. But on the flip side, the Saudis have taken the politics away from the sport and we are now getting the fights we want to see. And that is most important, you know. Absolutely, and just just a last one from me. Like no idea what that is, and just a last one from me. Um, hey, Danny, are you playing a nursery rhyme over there? Is that a nursery rhyme? <laughs> Danny's he's playing nursery rhymes here, um, and just a last, a very very last one from me. Um, you know, you've always had your opinion on the Conor Ben situation. Yeah. You know what it's like. Um, obviously, we could have seen the Eubank Junior fight that isn't happening now. Yeah. He's now going over to America to fight Peter Dobson. Um, your, for your thoughts on that and, and still disappointed would you say yeah of course I'm disappointed because we still haven't resolved the situation and that's the reality of it is that, is that the big sorry to cut you off but is that the big we say it's a massive negative for 2023 that we still it's a, a whole year, calendar year has gone and we still haven't seen. so we, uh, you know, we need to see it resolved don't we and until we see it resolved he's lost the respect of the people most importantly because it's alright going over to America and fighting in America and in a state where you can get commissioned and everything else because he hasn't got a British Boxing Border Control licence but, but he needs to he needs to clear his name and I know he's serving a ban at the moment because he's gone through or whatever it is but are we ever going to 
Is he ever going to clear his name? Because until he does that, he's got, he's got big problems. And that's all anyone's asking. It's not a fucking hate campaign like they think it is and like people keep talking about it. People like yourselves ask me about it and I'll give you, I'll give you, an, honest, yeah, I'll give you an honest answer. You know, where do I sit with that? He needs to clear his name. I don't care he's going over to America and fighting, who is it, Peter Dobson? You know what I mean? I don't know what happened with all the big names that we're going to fight, but he's going over and fighting Peter Dobson. That's great, all right, he's ticking over and he's keeping himself active, but he shouldn't be because he needs to clear this, this dark stain over him, and that's where I'm at with it, really. Yeah. No, that's completely fine, mate. Um, Spence, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to speak to me. You know, as you said, you haven't done much in a while, so it does, no. it's, the, it's the privilege that I am the first one, mate. Sorry, so Lewis, appreciate it, mate. Top man, for, and mate. kicking off a big year, mate. Thank you, exactly. appreciate it, top man. Podcast Network.